0: Hello and welcome to Truer Love Stories, a podcast dedicated to real people wanting to create real love. I'm your host, Taryn Newton-Gill. In each episode, we'll explore the stories of people who are at a crossroads in their love life. I'll help our guests navigate their personal love story by providing them with holistic ways of writing a new, more empowered narrative around love one that's truly aligned with who they are and what they want. Hello, ladies. Welcome back to Truer Love Stories. Do I sound like a radio DJ? That's what I'm going for. Happy December. My goodness, I cannot believe it is the end of 2022. I feel like we say that every single year. But I think there is some truth to the fact that the older you get, the shorter the years feel, right? Because in the ratio of your whole life, a year is not as long as it used to be, right? But it is absolutely crazy that it is December 2022. And I know we all, a lot of us, I'm not going to say we all, but the holidays are like this, you know, semi bittersweet situation, right? Where like... (laughs) You love them because it's the holidays and it symbolizes so much coziness and warmth and friends and socializing and lights and beauty, right? And then at the same time, it's like, oh, but I have to socialize and buy presents and do stuff, right? But more than anything, I feel like I really love December because it's this really nostalgic month for me, I think. It's such an interesting time because it's the one month of the entire calendar year where we're simultaneously looking back at the past, right? We're evaluating the past year more often than not. What worked? What didn't? What do we not want to repeat? What do we want to repeat? And then at the same time as we're looking back, we're also kind of forced to look forward, right? At the year that we know is about to come, we're on the precipice of this change. And I don't know, I just feel like there's so much energy in that, right? There's so much possibility. It's really this like liminal space, if you will, this transformative kind of ceremonial space because we have all of these holidays like marking the winter solstice, marking the transition and the change into the new year. And I think that those kinds of transformations can happen anytime during any part of the year, right? I think birthdays are that way, holidays throughout the year that way. I mean, a Tuesday could be that way, depending on what you're going through, right? But the thing that's unique about it being in December is that it happens as a collective, right? All of us are in this same liminal space together because we share the calendar year and we share time essentially together, right? And so I always think it's really interesting, this space where we are both looking back and looking forward at the same time. And, you know, as you know, if you have listened to this podcast before, and if you have not listened to this podcast before, well, welcome. And you'll learn very quickly that I talk a lot about anxiety because I'm talking about attachment and one of the dominant insecure attachment styles is the anxious style, which are, you know, predominantly the type of women that I work with is women like myself who feel anxious when it comes to dating and their love lives. Right. And a lot of times people who have a more anxious attachment style have more generalized anxiety. I will have you note that I am not a licensed therapist, I am a coach, I do study attachment theory, I study emotionally focused therapy, but I am what I would consider an anxiety expert. I've read many books about it by people who are doctors, Thais Gibson, if you don't know her, I suggest her, Sue Johnson is the one who created EFT that I was just talking about, The couple's therapy and these people are licensed therapists and they are experts and they're where I get a lot of my grounded information from and my statistics from and my information just about how anxiety works. And the thing to note about anxiety is that it's very future focused. When we're anxious, we are generally worried about something in the future, which is why the full name of the anxious attachment style is called anxious preoccupied. And it's because we are preoccupied with what is going to happen or not happen. And this can be confusing if you have experienced anxiety and you're like, well, I'm ruminating on something in the past. Well, that is true. You could be ruminating on something in the past. However, it's usually something in the past that you're worried will affect the future, right? So for instance, If you had a relationship that didn't work out in the past, you might be sad because you missed that person. But the anxiety comes from the idea that I didn't do that relationship well, so I'm going to repeat that in the future. So it really is a lot of a focus on the future. And the problem with this, of course, is that intimacy lives in the present moment. And that's to say that when we are actively connecting with someone, when we're making an emotional connection, it's this flow of energy that takes place in the present moment. And let's say someone wrote you a love letter. They might have written that in the past, but you're reading it and your feelings are coming up in the present, right? Because we feel in the present moment. So it makes sense that intimacy exists in the present moment. And relationships can go in and out of being intimate. But when there is intimacy, it's very present focused. And so a lot of the work that I do with clients, especially the anxious ones, right? Because I do have clients who have a mix of anxious and avoidant tendencies or behaviors, but there's always some form of anxiety in the style of the person that I'm working with. And so a lot of the focus is grounding down in practices and rituals that help keep you present, that help break up this overwhelming anxiety you might be feeling into something that's more bite-sized and digestible, to go with the food metaphor, that's more manageable. And so one of the kind of tools or modalities that I use to do this is a ancient Buddhist meditation practice called Vipassana, which I know some people have heard of, many have not. So I will explain a little bit about it to you. Vipassana is this meditation practice that I went on a 10-day silent retreat for back in, I want to say, 2011. So it was 11 years ago now, maybe more, actually. And it was free, It's donation-based, and I did not really know what I was getting myself into when I went. I was supposed to go with a friend of mine who, you know, she had come upon it. She was a yoga teacher and thought it would be this really cool, challenging thing to do, and I didn't really even know what it was, and I don't know. At the time, I didn't think to do that much research on it, and my dad was afraid that it was a cult and that I would be, you know, who knows, like you you go to a retreat center and, and he was afraid for me to go, but I was going with my friend, but then she had to back out at the last minute because she and her husband were auditioning for The Amazing Race. And so I had this moment to make this decision, like, do I still want to do this by myself? And just something in me said, yes. Like, I don't really know what this is, but the idea of being silent for 10 days, which to anyone who knows me, I mean, I did have friends actually laugh in my face. At the thought of me attempting to be silent for 10 days and let me tell you that was actually the easiest part for me i was surprised at that myself but it was the actual meditation that was harder and so the thing that makes vipassana unique as a meditation practice because you know the truth is a lot of meditation practices are focused on being present right and there are different tools to help you kind of calm your nervous system, calm down, which is why it also really works with attachment work because just really any mindfulness work really is helpful with attachment work because our attachment styles are very much connected to our nervous system. And so being calm is really good for us if we have anxious attachment, being in our bodies, being present, right? And a lot of different meditation modalities will use things like mantras or visualization techniques but vipassana is known by those who know it as kind of this like you know strict kind of austere practice right like there's no rainbows and butterflies involved there's no visualization involved it's not there to make you feel good but it does when you do it right but it's demanding on your mind and body at first because the whole idea is that you sit and don't move. And so you kind of find a position that works for you and then you learn how to scan your body for the sensations in your body as a way to kind of shut off your mind, like your conscious thinking mind and really reach a state of just full acceptance of whatever is going on in your body and really in your mind too at that time. So when I say your mind too, I mean that like, you know, anyone who's ever studied meditation has probably heard the phrase the monkey mind before, right? This idea that our minds don't want to sit still right? We want to be thinking of things all the time. And that's kind of become the default mode, especially in our modern busy world where we're go, 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 go. And we're not really doing the being part, right? Anymore. You know how we're called human beings, but we're really acting like we're human doings, right? Like that is a more appropriate phrase a lot of the time, right? So Vipassana, it's like you're sitting there, Not moving and just kind of tuning into the sensations in your body that you're not supposed to judge as good or bad, but just really just acknowledging their existence. And you will have thoughts come up that'll feel like they're taking you away from the present moment. But the whole idea is that you notice them, you acknowledge them, and you let them go and you come back to your body. And it doesn't sound particularly difficult. But when you're sitting there for three hours straight, like I had to on this retreat, it's definitely not the easiest thing ever. And let me tell you, I wasn't even one of the hardcore ones because the particular retreat I went on happened to be translated in Thai. And so there were a lot of Thai women and men, but they divide the women and men up. And so there are all these Thai women just sitting there. I mean, I don't know how often they had done it before, but they would wake up. There was a gong at 4 a.m. each day. And, you know, when I first got there, I was like so gung ho about it. I was like, I'm going to wake up before dawn each day and see the sunrise because you're supposed to sit like you have sitting hours. Right. So you get there and you sit for two or three hours. You take a break. You have a light breakfast. And then you go back and you sit for another few hours. And mind you, you can't have books. You can't have journals. You can't have music. They take away your cell phones. They take away your car keys. So you are literally, I mean, unless it is a true emergency, you are stuck there. And, you know, each location is different. The one I was at was in Northern California. And so they had this beautiful little forest on the property. And They had one of those mazes where you know it's like a path made by stones within the forest that you kind of just follow and then it loops around so that you could walk the property but other than sleeping and eating and meditating there's really not a lot that you could do so you're really literally stuck there with your thoughts and with your body and so I tried doing the 4am meditation and really getting into it and I quickly learned that I would fall asleep (laughs) meditation that early. And so I just decided, okay, I'm here all day. Like I'm going to sleep till six, scoundrel that I am. And I still though would have some days where I would sit for three hours. I think that was the longest I ever sat. And the thing that I really find interesting to me about Vipassana is the philosophy. You know, sitting there physically doing it, I did gain a lot I know now there's this place inside of me that I can go to to find peace, to be present in my body and to really feel my energy and my oneness and check in with my heart. And I love that about it. And I don't do it as often as I should. You know, Vipassana, again, I said it's strict. In Vipassana, someone who's a real practitioner, they would say you should do it for an hour every morning and an hour every night. I do it for five to 10 minutes every morning. So, but even those five to 10 minutes, I'm still checking in and it still feels good. And I can tell a difference in myself when I do it in the morning, the way that my day plays out. That said, it really is the philosophy of Vipassana that I find so intriguing. And that's because the whole concept is based around this idea that Buddhists believe that everything in life, is either a craving or an aversion. So we're either always wanting something or we're always trying to avoid something. And they say that this is what brings us suffering, is the always wanting something different than we currently have. Hello, my friends. I'm interrupting this episode real quick to tell you about a new exclusive group I'm starting for women who essentially have everything except for love. Do you have a career, money, and great relationships with your friends and family, but still can't seem to figure out love for the life of you? Are you sick of using the dating apps only to meet people that ghost you and are just tired of wondering when and if you'll ever meet your person? If you're nodding yes as I ask you these questions, my new Facebook group, Manifesting Secure Love, is a space I made just for you. It's where we'll go in-depth with the challenges facing successful, independent women who still want love and give you the support you need to make that love a reality. You are a friggin' boss, and there is no reason you can't be just as successful in your romantic partnership as you are in everything else you do. If I can do it, you can do it, and women are better when we support each other. I'll be hosting a kickoff Facebook Live on the three top differences between success and career and success in love on Friday, August 26th at 1 p.m. Pacific time. And then I'll be hosting lives every week after that at the same time. So don't waste another minute of your precious time trying to figure out this love stuff on your own. Head over to my website at truerlove.com slash manifest and click the join group button. There is no charge for being a member, just a Facebook account and a willingness to learn and grow. All right, now that you know how to start manifesting, let's get back to today's episode. If you think about this, it actually applies really, really well to attachment styles because anxious types are usually the ones craving closeness. And avoidant types are the ones who have the aversion to closeness. Now, it gets really super interesting because at the root of avoidance is often anxiety and at the root of anxiety is often avoidance. And just like, you know, many things that there are styles or, you know, that are intangible, right, when it comes to like consciousness and mental health and our emotions and and the way we behave, even though we have these styles, right, they are on a spectrum, right? So... We all go in and out of sometimes being anxious, being avoidant, but if you think of it this way, it's like when we are avoidant, we're trying to push away the future, meaning like avoidant types, right? Like they fear commitment a lot of the time, for example, right? they really struggle with being present, especially because it's very hard for them in particular to be vulnerable. They've spent so much time trying to push down their feelings. And like I said, right? Intimacy, vulnerability, emotions, they exist in the present moment. We are feeling them actively as we experience them, right? And so avoidant types, they usually idealize the past or idealize the future. They idealize it until the chance of an actual future is there and then they run away from it as soon as possible, right? So in their mind, they like the idea of the future, but when it is in the present moment they're connecting with someone, then it freaks them out because the future is an actual possibility at that point. It's not just this like remote possibility anymore, right? And so they back away from the future. Whereas anxious types are preoccupied with the future, right? So anxious types because of the anxiety, right, are focused, overly focused on the future. Which is why, you know, knowing where a relationship is going. I mean, think about this. Have you ever been on a date where you're literally talking to someone in the present moment, but your mind is in the future, right? Like either you're thinking, God, I wish I wasn't here right now. (laughs) I wish I was at home in my pajamas, you know, watching Seinfeld. Who knows? I'm probably dating myself saying that. Or I wonder, like, huh, could I see this person, like, being with me? Like, could I see myself with this person? Would we make a cute couple, right? Or, or like, would they get along with my friends? I wonder what my family would think of them. I wonder what I would wear on our wedding day. Like, what would my dress look like? What kind of suit would I want to dress him in, right? Like... You know who you are if you have had this thought before. Because I know you're out there, ladies. And it's this kind of funky line we walk between knowing that it's a good thing to be able to envision our future, right? Like we, especially women, like men are goal-oriented too, absolutely, but there is a next level like mama bear, you know, future-focused situation, biological clock, ticking situation, that makes us really think a lot about our future, right? And so that's a very important topic when we're dating. Can I see myself with this person? You know, are they someone who embodies the future that I see for myself, right? And it's like, the minute we meet them, we start projecting this future onto them. And really, like, this is such a big part of how, we are sabotaging ourselves. And if you are doing this, I really want you to pay attention to where your brain is at when you're on dates and when you're talking to people. Because this is, like I'm saying, a big part of having an anxious attachment style is this future focus. So it's like, you know, all of these things that we talk about in terms of our self-identity are just different layers, right? So like there's our physical, biological selves, right? There's our cultural layers, right? Like what culture did we grow up in? What religion did we grow up in? What location did we grow up in? You know, what country did we grow up in? All of these things influence who we are. And our attachment style is one of those things. That's kind of how we were nurtured by our early caregivers. And so it's one lens, just like these other ones, of how we perceive the world, perceive ourselves, you know, feel in the world. The way we show up in the world is dictated by all these different layers, right? And so the thing about being a woman... (laughs) is that we've got the biological, natural, you know, future-focused instinct pieced in us. And then we have the cultural focus on love and marriage that's like completely sold to women at a young age. And that we're getting better at as a culture, I have to say. But I think for a lot of us, it's still very ingrained, especially people, you know, between 30 and 50 say, you know, which I know a lot of the people listening to this are. And then there's... The attachment piece, right? So, if you are a modern woman with an anxious attachment style, you are definitely like susceptible to being future focused. And so, that's not a bad thing. Like I said, it's healthy. Like, to a certain degree, I know that there's a lot of us who wish that our partners or the people we've dated in the past would be more future focused, right? And, and it's good, like we do need a certain level of future planning to feel safe and secure, right? To know like as we live each day, what we can expect, right? Like that is necessary to a degree, right? The problem is, is that when we are anxious preoccupied, we become obsessed with it. And so we're just constantly in a state of craving what comes next. And so I hope you're starting to see how powerful it can be to learn to be more in the present moment, because the truth is that we need the present moment to get to our future, right? And it's like, I think a lot of us know that conceptually, but it's harder to implement on a daily basis and that's where the how comes in right like we can have information all day long I can tell you about attachment styles and where they come from and how they're created and on and on and on but it's the how of implementing it that's harder right and that's why I use things like vipassana for instance like guided journaling like learning to hone your intuition because all of these things help you to ground down in the present moment and really get in touch with your emotions because those are information for you. Your intuition is information for you about what needs attention, right? What needs to be processed, about where you wanna go with your life, right? We can, you know, think all day long about stuff, right? And yes, we don't wanna be all emotion right? We don't want to be totally like uncontrolled emotion, right? We want to learn to balance it with logic, but you need both masculine and feminine. I know that like, you know, if we're really thinking in those kind of gendered terms or those energies rather, and I actually took a workshop on feminine energy this week and the therapist who taught it, Lori Davis, I'll say she was really smart. And she talked about how You know, a lot of the times we think of masculine and feminine as male and female. We gender it like with body, right? But that it's really not about your body because men can have feminine energy and women can have a masculine energy. And that's not bad. Like that's not a bad thing. We all have both and we all need both to be balanced human beings. But the problem is is when both with masculine and feminine energy and with our attachment styles, when we are too much in one way most of the time, right? When we're too much in one energy, when we're too much in one way of attaching, right? When we're out of balance is when we really struggle. And so that's why coming back to the present moment is where you will find balance it is where the answers lie. And you can't really get to your future without being present. Otherwise, that's when futures happen that are not intentional, right? That's when like you just fall into complacency or into something unraveling that you really didn't have a say in. Now, of course, there's always like the universe and chance and there's a certain degree to which we need to surrender to that. But for those of us who have goals who have visions, who want to live intentional lives, learning how to be present and handle the current situation right now is where success is. I want you to really think about this because a lot of the time, what blocks us is our ability to believe we're worthy of being loved in the present moment. I want you to think about it in the context of your career. If you really see something you want in your career and you see the steps to getting there, you have the confidence to go for it, right? That is how we manifest. When we have a vision and we see the steps to getting there, that's what makes us feel hopeful. Actually, Brene Brown says in Atlas of the Heart, she's quoting someone else's research whose name I don't know, but she says that hope is actually a thought process, not a feeling. It's the thought process in the sense that when we see a path to a goal, we have hope when we have a clear path to a goal but a clear path to a goal only comes about when you are being present like most of us i would like to believe have some intention behind our career right even if it's not the job that you like 100% always thought you'd be at we care about what we're doing with our lives and if we're at jobs that really suck well then we become really focused on okay how can i intentionally do something else can i you know go back to school can i find a different job a different company where i appreciate the culture more or the job more is it the actual like skill set that i need to focus on or is it the tasks that i have to do every day that i do or don't like right but when we are focused on our career we are in the present moment a lot of the time right when you when you've had success it's because you had a path that was clear, that allowed you to take steps in the present moment to get there, right? Maybe you, you know, joined LinkedIn. Maybe you reached out to some friends who you knew were in an industry that you were interested in. Maybe you applied to some jobs, right? All of these things are tangible tasks that you have to learn how to do, right? And it's the same thing with dating, right? Like, there's a step-by-step process that can help you to be more successful. And it's not focusing on the minute you meet someone, what your wedding is going to look like. It's grounding down in the present moment and getting to know them. And that's why in my coaching program, the Secure Love Incubator, there is so much focus on learning how to be present because it makes all the difference in the world to your mindset and to who you're capable of bringing in who you're capable of attracting. Your intuition is such a big part of knowing who is right for you. Yes, also having strategy. Yes, also knowing what to look for. And of course, I teach you that as well. But really understanding yourself and what you need deep inside is such a key piece of calling in the right partner for you. And you can't do that if you're not present. You can't know how you feel if you're not present enough to feel those feelings and to learn to trust your intuition. You can't date from in your head because that is where the anxiety lives. You need to be able to get more in your body and feel what feels right and pair that and balance that with logic, right? With a framework. So it's this beautiful marriage, right? Of logic and emotion of vision for the future and present needs and when you learn how to blend those things together that is when you find the person who is aligned with you and who can be the person that you can be present with and make a future with so that all said I want you to make a promise to yourself this year that in 2023 your focus is going to be being more present let that be the present that you give yourself this holiday season that you're going to commit to your own healing and your own growth so that you can be more balanced and ultimately more secure because that is what it takes to be secure we feel something in the present moment we acknowledge it We honor it. We express it. So let that be your New Year's resolution, that you will commit to that intention of just being more present, of being more honest with yourself, of being more honest with others. Because I can promise you that whatever concerns you have about dating, about love, about finding your partner, you're not going to find them ruminating on the past or wishing for the future. You're going to find them when you dig inside yourself. You have to go inside and then let everything else magnetize to the outside. And look, I talk to women every day who are looking for love. And I can't tell you how many people have their own stories of why they don't have love. There's the city they live in. There's the kind of people they're connecting with. There's the apps. There's the fact that they're a single mom. There's so many reasons. And that's not to say that these reasons are invalid or untrue. But everyone has a reason why they believe they can't find love. And these reasons are generally tied to limiting beliefs from our past that have made us believe what we're deserving of, what we're capable of, what's really out there. And yes, there are a lot of avoidant people who are just looking to hook up out there. But it's also going inside and acknowledging why you might be attracting those people. And we can't go inside ourselves and discover the depths of what we're capable of if we're always trying to be somewhere else. If we're always giving reasons as to why we can't focus on ourselves, why we can't prioritize ourselves. You know, and Glennon Doyle, I love Glennon Doyle. Do you know before she was a famous writer, when she was a mom and she had three kids, she used to wake up at four a.m. just to find time for herself so that she could write her blog. And the best part is, she would write from her closet. She would literally go inside her closet to write her blog because it's the only place in the house that she could find quiet, and solitude enough to think, to go inward and be present. And she would just meditate and write in the mornings because she knew that's what she needed to do for herself before starting her day with three kids. And I think to myself, my God, if she can do that, then I have no reason to not pursue my dreams. I have no reason. And everyone's situation is different, absolutely. But I really want you to take a look as we move into 2023 and be honest with yourself. Are you doing everything you can to support your own growth, to support your own healing so that you can attract the kind of partner you really want? Because the choice is yours. And the present moment is always a choice that we have at our disposal. We always have it right here. No matter where we are, we have the present moment and there's so much wisdom that you will find within yourself when you can learn to live in the present moment more regularly. And that doesn't mean you're never going to have anxiety again. It doesn't mean you're never going to be avoidant again. It doesn't mean you're never going to not have a craving or not have an aversion to something, but it does mean that you will have more awareness around those things and around Who you really wanna be and how you really wanna feel, and the kind of person you really wanna call in. And so I'm going to leave you with that on this note. The gift of the present moment is yours if you are willing to take it, if you are willing to receive. So practice receiving right now. Give yourself this gift, let yourself receive it. I hope you all have a lovely, cozy, wonderful December filled with people that you love. And I'm looking forward to being present with you in January. Thank you for listening to the Truer Love Stories podcast, produced by me, Taryn Newton-Gill, with the help of Guanisha Motley at One Elegant Exec and edited by the amazing Max at Laguna Studios. If you'd like to anonymously share your personal love story and have me coach you on air, please email me at hello at truerlove.com. And if you enjoyed listening to today's episode, your support would mean so much. Please make sure to subscribe to the show to get updates on new episodes. And if you wouldn't mind just taking a couple extra minutes to review us on Apple Podcasts, your review goes a long way in getting more ears on our content. I can't wait to have you join me again. So in the meantime, stay true to yourself and talk to you soon.